Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. And if this is your first time here, welcome home. Welcome home. It's right there on the board. Welcome home. So we're glad to have you here. So we're really, really blessed today to have uh, Pastor Fanu. I, uh, Pastor spoke at our uh, our national conference last year and just shared with us some things about just our movement that uh, sometimes you can get stuck and you just, it's good to have other people. You get other people sometimes that speak into your life and open windows you, and sometimes you can get stuck in your own narrative and you don't know what's going on. It's good to have other people come in and, and speak to you and share things. And he was very very good, just really impactful for our group and touched my heart. And I know you're going to be blessed today. He's got a fabulous testimony. And he's got uh, Samuel with him as well, who's a graduate of Tyndale and uh, has a fabulous testimony too. So, But I want you just to give uh, Pastor Fanu a welcome and say welcome. We open our hearts to you right now. Come and bless us in Jesus' name. Good morning, church. It's good to be with all of you uh, this morning. I've uh, been looking forward to um, uh, the service for, uh, for a few weeks now and um, so excited for what God is doing uh, here at Impact Church in London, Ontario. We drove in uh, from Mississauga this morning and the sun was shining. It was like a, it was like a completely different season from, uh, from last week. Last week, uh, you know, I drove from Mississauga to Scarborough, and it, uh, it almost took me the same time as it did today from Mississauga to London. So, uh, but you know what? God is good, and I'm excited uh, to be in service with you. Uh, what a great time we had in worship. How many of you sense God's presence here? Amen. Uh, just a, a fabulous uh, worship team, and I, I just sense the presence of God in such a strong way. Before I share from God's Word, and Pastor Call, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so, uh, so thrilled uh, to, to be here and to share with you. But before I share from God's Word, I want to invite up uh, my friend Samuel. Samuel, would you come up uh, right now? Uh, Samuel, as uh, Pastor Call mentioned, is a graduate of Tyndale University. Uh, he uh, was pastoring uh, and is in a, in a transition right now. But Samuel's got an incredible story. And when Pastor Carl told me about uh, the series that we're doing right now on Welcome Home, uh, I said to Samuel, I really would love for you to share your story for seven minutes to ten minutes or so. Just, just, because it's an incredible story. There's a lot, there's a lot to his story. But uh, Samuel grew up in a home that uh, did not know Jesus. And for a couple of years of his life, he actually lived on the streets of Toronto. Uh, on and off, uh, just uh, just in an in a incredibly difficult place. And yet, one day, somebody uh, came up to him and invited him to come home to Jesus and join the family of God. And his life has never been the same since. So can we just put our hands together and welcome Samuel as he shares his story. Thank you, brother. Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, this is such a holy moment, because, you know, when we tell our story, it's really God's story in our life. So this is holy ground for me to share my story with you. And, you know, my story really begins in my mother's womb, and I'm not John the Baptist, but um, 
the doctor has told my mom that uh, uh, it was not going to be possible for me to live unless she stayed in bed for six months. And so she did that. And while she was bedridden for six months, um, she had become a Christian a couple of years before. Uh, my mother and father, when they met, they weren't Christians, but she became a Christian. And I mean, when, it, when she became a Christian, she really became a Christian. It was a, a night and day change. And uh, when she was laying in bed, she was praying and reading the word and uh, she was just praying for me, and the Lord spoke to her and said, uh, name him Samuel. And uh, she said, God, he's yours for the rest of his life. I dedicate him to you. Yeah. And so, but the first memory of my life uh, was seeing my father almost kill my mother. And the police dragging him away. And, uh, <clears throat> and then in that, that time... We were homeless, we lost our home. My mom and dad got a divorce. And many people in the church took us in. And so I experienced a beautiful uh, embracing of the church, caring for us, great memories of the church. And you know, my mom was a wonderful, loving mother who loved Jesus so much. And uh, the memories I have with her is or she would bring my brothers and sisters and I around the dinner table every night and we'd be in God's word and she would teach us God's word and tell us, believe God's word, love Jesus, love the church. And she would open up our home to our community and I saw her sharing Jesus with people, loving people, caring for the broken. And then at an early age though, I got ex exposed to pornography and exposed to abuse and started hanging around the bad, uh, wrong people. And I mean, I was a bad person myself. Many, my mom always thought, oh, they're corrupting you. I think I was corrupting most of them anyway. But your parents always think you're the better one. But, uh, but anyway, during that time, um, my heart just started to drift from the Lord. I knew from a very young age the Lord spoke to my heart, and I knew from a very young age there was only one thing I wanted to do was to be a pastor. I wanted to preach the gospel. But then throughout life, I, my heart started to drift, and I started just to love the things of this world and started to just become very angry and um, started walking away from the Lord. And then one day... Um, started getting involved with drugs at the age of 12 and drinking and um, one day my mom just looked at me and said that's it you got to go you can't uh, you can't stay here anymore because I was losing it and um, I said okay that's fine I'll go to my dad it'll be better there anyway right grass is greener on the other side she said okay fine if that's what you want to do you can go and I left and I went to live with my father and um, I think I was about 14 years old, and when I got there, again, I thought it was better there, and it turned out just to be, you know, mental and emotional abuse and whatnot, and I started getting involved with, um, I guess you could call it gangsterism and drugs, and, and then uh, my mom died when I was 15 years old, and um, actually before she died, let me say this. Uh, one day, we, I, haven't, I didn't speak to my mother for about a year, and my mom was praying. I know she was a praying woman. I used to see her on her knees weeping before the Lord, crying out for us. And, and she had been praying that whole year. And one day I came home from school, and I just broke in, and I picked up the phone for some reason, and I called her, and I don't know why. And I called her, and I started weeping. I said, I'm sorry for what I did to you. 
And she, you know, and I'll remember the words that she said to me. She said, I forgive you. I forgave you the day you left and I've never stopped loving you. And that was so, that, that freed my heart. And, um, but she died that summer. And it was just God's grace to, that I would not have that sense of brokenness towards her and the sense of I hurt her and, and all these kinds of things that God healed that. And, uh, but when she died, um, I, I just went deep into drugs and uh, decided to live the street life. And, uh, but God was after me. But in the darkness, you know, when I was doing drugs, there was, it was just really hiding my pain. I didn't want to live in reality. And um, things started to turn when one day someone tried to kill me and they ended up stabbing my brother. And I realized in that moment, something's got to change here. So, but God was still out on my trail. And I mean, I was suicidal, I was depressed. I mean, I was doing everything you could think you could do and I thought it would be good. I thought it would fill the void in my heart and fill the void of my life. And um, one day waking up in the hospital and then seeing my face in the morning, I realized this is, not, this is, this is gonna end in disaster for me. I'm only gonna head two places, either in jail, either in jail for the rest of my life or I'm gonna be dead. So then leaving and separating from the people that I was with, still doing drugs. When I used to sleep on the streets and my brother and I, we used to live in adult shelters and whatnot. They, they used to take the people to a Presbyterian church. And my brother's not a believer and one day we're living together and he says, hey, you wanna come to church with me? And I said, what are you, this guy's not a Christian, you know, why are you asking me to go to church? So I said, okay, let's go to church. And um, I remember when we got to church, I came to the front, they, the, the service already happened, so they only have a seat in the front, so they bring you right up to the front. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's right, <laughs> best place to be. But then when I got there, all of a sudden, I had not thought about God, but then all of a sudden I was there and the people were worshiping God and I started to weep. And I started, and I remembered the God of my youth. And I started to pray and I said, God, you get me a job tomorrow. I just, wanna, I just wanna get my life right. You get me a job tomorrow, I'll give my life back to you. You know what happened? The next morning I got a job. But the funny thing, I didn't give my life to God, right? The story continues. So I didn't give my life back to God, but God got me a job. And uh, this is where things started to get uh, beautiful, just showing God on my trail. You know, when I was in the shelter too, a lady came over to me and she said, God loves you. And she gave me a Gideon's Bible and I started reading that Gideon's Bible. I didn't understand it, but I was reading it all the time. And, um, but anyway, I get to this job and it was at this workplace where God really started to, to, to get on my trail and he put me on a lady's heart there. And every day this lady consistently came to me and just loved on me and just uh, cared for me. And uh, one day she says to me, building a relationship, she says, look, um, would you like to come to Tim Hortons and talk with me? I said, okay, let's go. We go there and she said, uh, we started talking about Christianity and whatnot. And she goes, look, I know you know all this stuff. You grew up in a, with your mom. She was a Christian. You grew up in a Christian home and you grew up in the church. So I'm gonna ask you one question. Why don't you give your life back to Jesus? And I looked at her and I said, I don't want to give my life back to God because I know that I'm going to fail him tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I'm, I, you know, I need to get myself right. And she looked at me and this is the most powerful words anyone can say. You can't get your life right. You need to come to Jesus. Only he can change you. Only he can make you right. Only he can make you a new person. So I said, okay, I'm going to think about that. 
And so she said, come to church with me on Sunday. I went to church with her on Sunday, and I think it was the Monday or Tuesday. I was in my room, and I came out, and for some reason, I found myself in the bathroom, and I sat down, and I called her on the phone, and I said, I want to give my life to Christ. And immediately when I prayed, when I, you know, you think of when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, I'll call my sheep, and they will come to me. And that's what happened. And I, I found myself running. And uh, when I called on him, Immediately, as soon as I finished praying, I knew he was, in my, he, was, he was in me. The drug addiction broke immediately. I never did another drug that moment forward. And uh, filled, I mean, I knew the Holy Spirit was in me. I knew it was a new creation, you know, like God says in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll write my law upon your heart, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. And that's what happened. And immediately in that moment, everything that the Bible said, I believed. I believed that Jesus was Lord. I believed that he was my Savior. And the thing that was so amazing is I knew in that moment that I was a sinner, and he was a great Savior, and I was forgiven of every sin that I have ever committed. And the beautiful thing is that everything that my mother taught me came back into my life. And I knew in that moment the Bible was the Word of God, that Christ was, a, was everything. And I hungered for the, to be among the people of God, to be in the church. And, 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 and I, I uh, you know, my mother told me at a young age, she told me how sacred and how beautiful baptism and communion, taking the Lord's Supper was. And, and, and in my heart, as soon as I got saved, the very first thing I wanted to do was be baptized and take the Lord's Supper, being a part of the community of faith, testifying to Jesus Christ as Lord. And so, you know, if you're here today and you're wondering, you know, is this real on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Is it just exciting here? I tell you something, Jesus is everything. Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is... It, he, he's so great. It's bigger, it's bigger than what happened here this morning. It's, it's greater than just the song. It's greater than just the music. Jesus is life. He is everything. He is the pearl of great price that we leave everything for just to have him. Um, and you know something else? If you're a mother and you're a father here and you have children who don't trust the Lord, I tell you something, pray. Believe in the power of prayer. Saturate your children with prayer. Live a godly, holy life before them that shows that Jesus is everything. That when you, when you grow up, when your children grow up, you want them to say, when I was near mom and dad, I was near Jesus. So, and the other thing I want to leave you with is this, is that God is holy, sin is serious, hell is real, the time is short, but, but, the gospel is, is the power of God unto salvation. So go and tell somebody about Jesus today because that's how he's going to reach them. What a powerful story uh, Samuel has. And um, it's not a unique story. It's not an uncommon story. It's the story of the gospel. And it's the story of what Jesus is doing in the lives of people all around us. And I just wanted him to share that because um, you never know if you're that person that God will speak to and say, why don't you talk to somebody? It could be a Tim Hortons. And I love that story because it doesn't have to be in a church service. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, right after worship and right after the word and at, during an altar call when the atmosphere is right in the, in the church, if you will. It can be anywhere, 
any time when the Holy Spirit speaks and we obey, God is able to transform lives. Amen? A um, couple of quick things I want to mention. We've got some resources at the back. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, we uh, obviously were talking to churches, speaking all over the, the province and even in the nations. One of the things we realized was a lot of people felt ill-equipped to be able to share the gospel uh, with people that believed differently from them, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different uh, religious backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds. And um, so we started something called the Go Conference. Uh, it was an opportunity uh, to bring in people that had come to faith in Christ from a specific background. Um, and it could be an addiction. It could be, like I said, a religious background. It could be an ethnic background, something that's different. You're like, I don't know how to talk to that person. I just don't understand how they think so I can relate to them. And so uh, we've had... Uh, uh, the conference now three years. We started with 200. Last year we had 2,000 and God's been really increasing it and uh, we've been seeing a lot of people being equipped. Uh, so uh, out in the lobby today, we've got uh, DVDs uh, from the last few years uh, of the conference in the last three years of the conference. And so I want you to check it out this is the 2017 uh, DVD, and one of the speakers on here, his name is Mark Clark. Mark grew up in Ajax, Ontario, uh, grew up in a, in a home that was a Christian home. Uh, he shares this joke. He says, uh, you know, his dad named his uh, older brother Matthew, and someone told him after the fact that Matthew was in the Bible. He says, my dad was so mad, he named his second son Mark. Because he had just he just had no clue. I mean, and that's his joke. He shares to, to say that you know they were just not a, a Bible believing family, you know. And uh, and Mark uh, has a story of uh, just being in drugs and different things, and yet God saved him uh, through the testimony of a high school friend. And um, he moved to Vancouver a few years ago, and he pastors uh, the Village Church, one of the fastest growing churches, largest churches in Canada. In seven years, uh, they've seen over 1,200 people baptized. Uh, uh, they have about 5,000 people attend their church. And, and we brought him in because a lot of people say, you know, Pastor Fanu, you can do this in Africa. The thousands will come. You can do this in, in South America. But, you know, Canada is different. People don't want Jesus here. It doesn't work in Canada. Canada. And I said, you know what? That's not true. Uh, and then, you know, they say, oh, you know, the millennials, the millennials don't want Jesus. And I'm like, you know, Mark's 36 years old and he is, uh, he is a leading voice in our nation. And so just an incredible uh, story. So if you get the DVD, uh, you can hear his session. And also he wrote a book and we have a few copies left from the conference. It's called The Problem of God answering a skeptic's challenge to Christianity. And I'll tell you, it's probably one of the best apologetic books I've read in a long time. And he discusses uh, what people say uh, is the reason, the problem with God. You know, I don't believe in the Bible. How do you know it's true? Uh, oh, uh, you mean science hasn't already proven uh, factually that the, that the gospel isn't real, that, that the Bible isn't true. And he talks about those issues that our culture, um, uh, a lot of times will say, this is why I don't come to church. He talks about the problem of sex. He talks about the problem of Jesus and uh, if Jesus was a historical person. So if you have somebody that asks a lot of these questions, this is a great resource uh, to, to give to them and, uh, and pray that the Spirit of God will work in their hearts. Amen. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles this morning, please, to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. And we're going to read from verse uh, 15 to 23. And then we're going to go to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. 
First Matthew 27. Uh, we're continuing the series uh, that we're in as a church on, uh, it's called Welcome Home. And I want to talk to you uh, this morning uh, of what God's home should look like. Uh, I've titled the message, The Jesus Franchise. The Jesus Franchise. And I'll explain in a, in a moment here, but let's read. Matthew 27, 15. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version here. It says, Now, at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for, for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate uh, said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man for today. I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All of them said, let him be crucified. Now, Mark chapter 1 and verse 16 says this. The gospel of Mark chapter 1 and verse 16 says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Eyes closed. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word in this house. We thank you that the flower fades and the grass withers, but your word is forever the same. I thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purposes for which it is being sent forth today. In the name of Jesus, we come against every spirit of unbelief and doubt, every spirit of confusion and distraction. Lord, I pray, Spirit of God, that you would minister to the hearts of your people today. Have your way in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, you know, very interesting. I just want to preface what I'm going to share with you this morning with uh, Matthew 27 and what happens there. And the New Revised, uh, uh, you know, highlights this aspect of the scripture that uh, Barabbas, we know Barabbas obviously was one of the, uh, the prisoners uh, that was released. Uh, there was an option between Jesus and Barabbas. And, and uh, what I found interesting and I, and I looked at some, uh, some of the, uh, the writings and the commentaries related to this and one of the things that comes up is that Barabbas most likely had the first name Jesus as well. You remember now, the name Jesus comes from, uh, you know, Joshua in the Old Testament, this idea of God is my salvation. It, it was a common name. Jesus' name was a common name at the time. And so I started thinking about it. I said, wow, interesting how they had basically had two options. And Barabbas actually means the son of a father. Bar is son of, Abba, father, master, son 
of a father. So you've got two sons of two fathers as the option for the people to choose. Two Jesuses, if you will, for them to choose. And, and I, and I want to share that, not because that's my message this morning, but, but you know, often we have to choose which Jesus do we say we follow. Is it the Jesus of the Bible? Is it the Son of God? Is it the Messiah? Or is it a Jesus that we have uh, fabricated for ourselves because this is convenient for them? Barabbas. Jesus Barabbas was more convenient. That's who they chose as opposed to Jesus the Messiah because what? His sayings were too hard for them. What he talked about, what he preached about, how he called them to repentance was not comfortable. So they would rather have the other Jesus than the one who spoke from the Father. The one who did what he saw the Father do. You know, we live in a world today where there's a lot of people that will call on the name of Jesus. But the question is, which Jesus do we believe in? Have we made up a Jesus for ourselves? Or do we follow? Do we read the word and say, hey God, here's what your word says about your son. Here's how your word asks me to live my life. Here's how your word asks me to order my home. So I can welcome people not to my home, but to God's home. Of course, there's practical realities to our home and how we organize and order and, and arrange our home. You know, when you come to church, I have the privilege of preaching in churches all across, um, all across the city and even outside of the, the greater Toronto area. And every church I go to, I'm always fascinated by just the different things, just small things that we do differently. You know, when the welcome happens this morning, I noticed here after first service, you know, a lot of churches will do it uh, towards the... Uh, the end of worship. Uh, some churches will do announcements at the very end after the preacher's done speaking, after the altar call's done, and they do announcement. That's the last thing you hear. Every church does it different. So there's practical realities about our home. But the, but the question is, is the presence of Jesus in our home? Is, is, is the, the character and the nature of Christ represented in our home? And so I want to start off with that question. I want to challenge you this morning for a moment. Which Jesus are you following? Which Jesus are you following? Is it the Jesus of the Bible? Or is it a Jesus that you say, well, this is convenient. I, I love this part, but this part is too difficult. So, so I think I'll just make some exceptions with maybe we'll talk about, well, you know, we're in a different age today. Well, you know, Canada is very different from Israel. Well, you know, we don't have the Jewish context, so we don't really understand a few of these things, so let's not really talk about that. Or are we saying, God, I want the fullness of who you are and what you have for my life. And so I want to bring this idea of this franchise model. And it sort of comes from, a, from something that happened last year. Uh, my family, we, we took a trip uh, down to uh, down to Florida. Uh, I was attending a conference and uh, and we were uh, going on a cruise and and so my wife was with me and uh, my my dad and mom and my brother uh, was with me as well and uh, he, he's in business and so uh, one of the things we discovered while we were there was this fantastic place called uh, Chick Fil A. Wow, Christian chicken. 
Chick-fil-A. I mean, it is so good. We had Chick-fil-A all the time. I mean, their sauce. We were drinking their sauce. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you have one burger, but you have enough sauce for three. You know, three sandwiches. I mean, it was fantastic. We loved the customer service. We loved the brand, the colors. I mean, the place was always packed. The, the customer service, I mean, their drive through these, the, 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 uh, the servers will come out and, and come to you with iPads and will take your order while you're waiting in line before you get uh, to the actual station where you can order if, if there's a lot of people in line. So, I mean, fantastic model. And so my brother's in business, and so we're talking about, wouldn't it be amazing if we could have Chick-fil-A in Canada, in Toronto? Now, since I've heard that there's a Chick-fil-A somewhere in Edmonton, there's one or two there, it seems, but, but obviously nothing in Ontario as far as I know. If you know of a Chick-fil-A, let me know, because that's where I want to have lunch today. But, but no, you know, just a great model. We're like, it wouldn't be amazing to bring a Chick-fil-A over to Canada. And I started thinking about it. Why? Why would we want to do that? Why would you want to be a franchisee of a, a, a restaurant like Chick-fil-A? Well, it's very obvious, because they've got a model that's working. They've got something that they're doing, obviously, that, uh, that really is making a difference in the lives of people. People are actually responding. You know, I found it amazing. On Sunday morning after church, we wanted to have lunch. So guess where we wanted to go? Chick-fil-A. We got to Chick-fil-A. Uh, we were, uh, you know, we literally drove there, got to the restaurant, and all of a sudden, no cars, no lines, no nobody. We're thinking, are you kidding me? This is Sunday People are out, people are shopping, people are doing all these things. But guess what? Chick-fil-A is closed on a Sunday. All their restaurants are closed on a Sunday. I'm like, how do they do this? How, do they, how are they so profitable? How are they you know, may, you know, able to serve so many people and be closed on probably a very busy day for a restaurant, a chain restaurant? But here's the point. They have a model and the model works. It's interesting for a second, we were like, oh, I wonder if the Chick-fil-A down the street would be open. <laughs> and we tried on Google Maps. You know, Google Maps, it tells you open hours and all that. And, and so we checked and it was closed. Why? Because if you're part of the franchise, you're going to respect the rules of the franchise. If the rules of the franchise say we're closed on Sunday... Even though you say, man, you don't have no idea, Mr. District Manager, people in our town love, love to eat a chicken sandwich on a Sunday for lunch. I'm sorry. You can start your own restaurant if you want to, but if you want to be part of the Chick-fil-A franchise, guess what? You've got to be closed on Sundays. I found it interesting that in Mark chapter 1, Jesus came to his disciples. He didn't say, guys, I'm from out of town. I really don't know how things work in Galilee. I'm from a far way off. I'm wondering if you guys can give me some insight on how I should go about doing what I've been called to do. doesn't do that. He doesn't say to them, you're the experts on the ground, this culture, this area, you know all about it. So maybe you can give me some insight on how I should do what I've been asked to do. No. He says to his disciples, and let me read it for you again. He says, he says, Follow, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Come follow me, and I will show you. He's saying, hey guys, guess what? I have a model. I have a methodology. 
I have a way that the Father has shown me that I ought to do what I'm called to do. Here's what I'm asking you. Do you want to join me? Do you want to do it my way? Do you want to follow my methodology? And so all of a sudden, these guys who are fishermen, they leave their nets, they leave their boats, and they say, Jesus, show us. Show us how it's done. Church, I want you to know when we're, when we're saying we want to welcome people home, we better make sure that our home is what God wants it to be. And I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about our life. I'm talking about the way we live our life. The way we operate, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, much like Samuel, and I grew up in the Middle East, actually, in Bahrain, a tiny little island uh, in the Arabian Gulf, and lived there for 18 years, and then moved to Canada to come to Bible college, and, and so on. And so, when, I, uh, when we grew up in, in the Middle East, uh, in a Christian home, you know, there were years of my life, my friends, where I had no understanding of who God was and how powerful God was. I knew about Jesus, but guess what? I never signed the franchise agreement. I was just, I was just a fan of the Jesus movement, a fan of the Jesus enterprise, but I did not sign on the dotted line because frankly, some of it seemed a little too difficult. I didn't want to do everything Jesus said. I wanted some parts of it, but not all of it. And so, so often what happens is we're saying, God, I, I want to come. Oh, I love you, but can I, just, can I just be a Jesus follower on Sunday morning? God, God I want to I, I worship you. I want to, you know, read your word. I want to follow you. But, but can I just not, not talk to people like Samuel's friend? What was her name, Sam? Patricia, I just don't want to be a Patricia. You know, I don't want to talk to coworkers and ask them to go to Tim Hortons and then have a conversation and invite them to... Can I just not do that part? Usher on Sunday, not every Sunday, maybe twice a month. Not every Sunday, because, you know, life gets... I I just want to do it on my... God, I like certain things, but can I just do it my way? But friends, can I tell you something? It's not about your way. It's about His way. And I want to challenge us this morning that we live our lives God's way. Because guess what, my friend? There's one model that, that's worked and it's been working for 2,000 years. And the only way it's going to work is if you do it the way God asks us to do it. And it's the Jesus model. It's the Jesus franchise. It's the Jesus way of transforming our communities and transforming our world. So I want to show you just a couple of things here. Uh, I'm going to literally read right down. I want to, all I'm saying to you is I'm not going to go all over the Bible. I'm just going to say after Jesus said, let me show you. Uh, let's look at what happened. What did he show them? So we're going to read down in Mark chapter 1. So we read from 16 to 20. Let's read verse 21. Number one, it says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Uh, The people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, listen to this now, why are you interfering with us? Remember, remember his class is with him. They're they're watching what's going on. What do you want to show us, Jesus? And so he goes in to the synagogue and 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 the demon possessed man begins to cry out. He says, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come 
come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, at that the, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion and then came out of him. Listen, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. This is a tough one for our Canadian mindset sometimes. But the first thing Jesus taught them in his franchise was that his franchisees interfere with the works of darkness. It's hard for us sometimes. You know, I was on the same trip. We were joking about this after the fact. You know, the Canadian mindset is so different from the American mindset. We are constantly apologizing. I mean, listen, we were in the airport and I, people were bumping into me. And I'm saying, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, what are you saying? I'm sorry all the time. I'm, I'm thinking they're probably wondering, why are you being sorry? I bumped into you, but we're constantly, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to interfere. I don't want to, I don't want to in any way inconvenience you. But the Jesus franchise model, if you follow the life of Jesus, not just this one story, he was constantly getting in trouble with the devil. He was constantly saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go where the works of darkness is so I can make a difference in the lives of those people. I'm going to go to the place where there's a man who was demon-possessed, not to oppress the man, but to deliver him and set him free. The devil doesn't like that, and I don't just want to talk to you about, you know, demons or demon possession. I'm talking about, is there darkness in the lives of the people around you? Maybe at work, do you see somebody afflicted in their marriage? Maybe they're afflicted in their body. Maybe they're afflicted in their mind. Maybe something's going on in their life and they're so depressed. Friend, that is is an invitation card from heaven saying get involved get involved get involved get in no, I, listen maybe it's just saying hey I just want you to know I'm praying for you maybe it's that's that simple maybe it's saying hey listen I just made some food for you I just wanted to bless you. I know lots going on at home just take this I hope this will help maybe a meal for this evening I don't know what it is but I'm talking about hey I know I wasn't verbally asked to get involved but I see something and I want to find a way to help. I want to find a way to make a difference. I want to find a way to get involved in your life. For I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus franchise gets involved. He gets involved. So many people uh, that I come across that have incredible uh, stories of how people would just get involved in their life. My wife she couldn't be here. She sends her regards. Her name is Trisha. Uh, she's originally from um, the Caribbean. And she grew up in a Hindu home. And, you know, she tells me, and, and she has a passion for this, a passion for service. And she says, you know, part of the thing that really opened her heart to Jesus was these missionaries would come to the, to the Caribbean islands there. Uh, she lived in Guyana and then in Trinidad. But mostly when she was a little kid in Guyana, she said they would bring clothes they would bring toys. And you know, when we pack stuff from here, we're like, oh, I don't know, is that really making a difference? Is that really, you know, doing anything for the gospel? But she says, you know, they struggled. Uh, she, she tells me that, you know, her first pair of jeans was, you know, I mean, probably in her early teens or something like that, that she had her first pair of jeans. And I think from what I understand, it was given to her. It was a used pair of jeans. But she says, she remembers, she remembers the church having these 
times when they would distribute things in the community. And she remembers asking herself, why? Like, why, why are they doing this? Why is the church coming and loving us and giving us stuff? And she says it made such an impact in her heart. It didn't lead to, a, it wasn't a salvation call. You know, here's a pair of jeans. Oh, hold on. Say yes to Jesus. See, some people do that. We're not talking about that, okay? No, no, we give to give. We give to give. But then it opens the heart to say, wow, there's something about him. Something about her. She didn't have to do that for me, but she did. Church, the Jesus franchisee gets involved. Gets involved. Number two, let's just keep reading. Number two, uh, verse 29. So we read till verse 28. Let's go to verse 29. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. He's demonstrating, hey, here's my model, guys. They came to watch. And so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. See, Jesus taught his new franchisees, my franchise model or my franchisees channel God's power. They channel God's power. Yes, yes, we need to get involved. We need to give. We need to serve. We need to be kind. But can I also tell you there are moments when just a kind word is not enough. There's moments when just making them some hot soup is not enough. There's moments when the pair of jeans is not enough. When you need power that is outside of this realm. Power that only comes from heaven to invade the earth realm and impact the life of a person. Can I tell you, as a Jesus franchisee, you've got that power. You've got, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're walking around with power saying, hey, I can zap you if I want to with that. No, no, we're not talking about, we're talking about God. You see what my friend's going through. God, would you just use me in this moment? I'm going to offer to pray for her. And if she says yes and I start to pray, would you please move through my words? Would you please move through my touch? Would you do something that she will know I could never have done for her, but it had to be the God that I serve that did that for her? Are you following what I'm saying? I, I came across a really cool story the other day, and I want to share this with you. It's about this doctor. His name is Chauncey Crandall. He's, um, he's known, I heard recently, as the uh, cardiologist to the billionaires in Florida. So he's you know, very well respected, is the point. Uh, at this uh, time of the story, he was working in the emergency room at this particular hospital in southern Florida, and he was the senior cardiologist then. And uh, this man, his name was Markin, a mechanic, came in with a, uh, having a heart attack. Came into the ER room, the doctor there, and the nurses were working on him, uh, trying to resuscitate him, trying to get his heart going. They did everything they could. They weren't able to really help him. Uh, in walks in Dr. Crandall. Uh, he does the final, you know, sort of push to save this man's life. He's not able to do it either. Eventually, what happens is he, uh, he obviously says, you know, guys, we can't, we can't help the man. He's, he's gone. And so he pronounces him dead and records the time of death. 
He is now done with that. He's going to walk out of the room. He's walking out. He says, when I get to the threshold of the room, of the ER room, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, he says. And he says to me, go back and pray for this man. He says, all of a sudden, I began to think about my reputation. He says, how embarrassing if the senior cardiologist who just proclaimed a man dead went back in and started praying for this man in Jesus' name. He says, can you imagine what would happen? I imagine they'd probably write him up. Hey, your senior cardiologist is now going around praying for patients. Right? He's not practicing medicine. He's practicing faith. So, so he's, he has this moment where he says, I don't know if I want to do this. But then the, the voice of the Lord is so strong, you know, because, because remember, he's a franchisee. <laughs> He signed the agreement, right? So, so he's got to do it. He's got to do it. It's not, it's, not, it's not what I want. It's what he wants. And so he turns back, goes into the room, and uh, he prays for the man in Jesus' name. He says, the other doctor is there. The nurses are all there. And he prays for the man in Jesus' name. And he says to the other doctor, we're going to use the defibrillator one more time. So they shock the man. And, and I love this part. I love this part. Let me read this for you. I want to get it right. The nurse who was preparing the body screamed out in fright, Dr. Crandall, what have you done to this patient? That's what people should say about us when we pray for, what did you do to her? What happened to him? She was startled because Markin had suddenly started mumbling words and moving his fingers and toes. His heart monitor sprung to life, showing a regular heartbeat. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You can be a cardiologist and be a Jesus franchisee. You can be a mechanic and be a Jesus franchisee. You can step in and say, hey, I've got power. Not in me, but in Jesus. And it flows through me. Friends, I don't even have time to share my story uh, in detail this morning, but let me just say this to you. I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, like I said, but I didn't know, I didn't know that the Jesus model still works. I thought the Bible was a history textbook. You know what I mean by a history textbook? It's not something you expect to work today. It's, just, it's information you could memorize so you know what happened in some time in the past. But you see, I came to understand that the Bible's not a history textbook. It's an instruction manual. It's like your driver's handbook. You don't read the driver's handbook and say, well, you know, they say it's 50 kilometers if you don't see a posted sign, but ah, I don't know, that's in the past. Somebody wrote that five years ago. I'm just going to drive 100 if I feel like it. Doesn't work that way because the handbook says that's the speed limit. The Bible is your driver's handbook for life. I didn't know that. I came to a place in my life where I was so sick. This is sort of what got me into ministry. I started ministry, I started preaching when I was 18. That was 15 years ago. People always ask me, why, why, did you, why are you so young and in ministry? Why are you traveling the nations preaching the gospel? You know, you're so young. I said, well, because there was a time in my life when I was bedridden. I couldn't move, couldn't walk. Boils and sores covered my body from my neck all the way down to my ankles. Pus and blood oozed out of my body constantly. I don't mean to gross you out, but I, just to give you... Uh, you know, a sense of what was happening in my life. I'd wake up in the mornings and my bed sheets would be covered in this stuff. And I'd literally have to rip the sheets off my skin. My skin would come peeling off with the sheets because the pus would dry overnight. I'd wake up uh, in the mornings and for a period of time, my parents, and I, like I said, I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Bahrain in the Middle East. Um, 
but my parents are from India. And for a period of six months, my parents were so worried for me that they couldn't leave me home alone. They were, they were both working full-time jobs. They sent me to live in India where I'd never lived up until then. And uh, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd find insects, ants all over my body, eating away at the open sores all over me. And I, I, I remember in those days, I read the Bible that I, like I'd never read it before. See, I read it like a history textbook till that point. But then I started to wonder, what if it wasn't a textbook for history? What if it is a manual? What if it is a driver's handbook? What if it is how I ought to expect to live my life today? What if the, the miracles of the Bible were not written there so I could celebrate Jesus and what he did in the past? But what if they were written so that I could see what is possible to those who call on the name of Jesus and those who believe that miracles are able to happen because God is still the same. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. That he is risen. He's, he's the one who was dead but he is now alive forevermore. All of a sudden I began to question the way I thought and I, and, and I, and I processed the Bible before and I started to pray. I said, God, I believe you can heal me me. I believe that miracles can happen. I believe that the power of God is still available to those who believe on his name. I believe that when I say in the name of Jesus, I command the sickness to come out of my body, that there is some Holy Ghost power that can flow through me, that can make, listen, not just make me feel better, not just comfort me. Oh, this happened. This is funny. I got to share this. People will come to my home. And, and, you know, I was so, I was, my condition was so bad at this point. This was right before I got healed. I couldn't even walk to the washroom. I couldn't take a shower. My mom had to give me a sponge bath. Dip the sponge in saline solution and wipe my skin. And as she did, my skin would come peeling off with the sponge. And, and people would come uh, from church. Lovely people. Don't get me wrong. Loved Jesus. Loved our family and all of that. But they were praying. They were always saying, okay, let's close our eyes. Let's pray. And all of a sudden, they're praying, Lord, comfort this family. Bring peace to this home. Listen, when people start, when Christians start praying for comfort and peace, you better be worried. Because something's really wrong with you. Because they're past the healing part. Now they're in the comfort mode. I said, I, I remember saying to my mom, I said, Mama, I don't want comfort. I want healing. Come on, somebody. Somebody, don't just pray for comfort prayers. Pray for healing prayers. I expect God to do miracles. I expect God to move on behalf of me when I call out to him. Don't get me wrong. Please, don't misunderstand me. There's a place for comfort. There's a place for peace. There's a place for the presence of God. But don't let that be an excuse for not believing for his power. Long story short, someone came and prayed for me, laid his hands on me. I'm not saying that he was special. I don't think he was special. He was just a believer. He was a franchisee. He signed the agreement. And he says, hey, he says, can I pray for you in Jesus' name? I said, absolutely, sir. He came to me, he laid his hands on me, he said, in Jesus' name. The moment he said, Jesus, I felt like a million watts of electricity flowing through my body. My arms, I hadn't stretched my arms more than that much in months and months because of the swelling. My arms stretched out completely in an instant. I felt completely different on the inside. I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning. The pus had not oozed. It had, God had healed me instantaneously on the inside. Within a few weeks, within a few weeks, my skin dried up. The scabs fell off. Within a couple of months, I was in Canada, in Bible college, preaching the gospel. Jesus franchisees are channels of God's power. Let, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I don't want to lose track. We just got a couple more minutes here. Let's just keep reading now. Verse 35. We, we read up to verse 34. Now we're going to read verse 35. Watch this. Before daybreak the next morning, he, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. 
Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus franchisees keep the gospel moving. You know, it's amazing that the context of what the disciples were saying was positive. Lord, everyone wants you to stay. Could, you, could we just build base camp here? Could we start a little Jesus Revival Tabernacle Church here? And you know, we can go out to different parts of, of, of Israel, but can we, just, can we just sort of, you know, start something in this location? Jesus says, listen guys, I, I didn't come to be in one place and talk to the same people over and over and over again. I came to let as many people know about what the Father has in store for them as I possibly can. Church, can I tell you, Jesus franchisees don't just have a restaurant, they have a catering business. I, you know where I got that from? I got that from Subway. I was watching Undercover Boss. You know that show, Undercover Boss? So cool. So, Undercover Boss, it was, it was either Subway or Mr. Sub. One of the, I think it was Subway. But part of what Subway does, they cater. So the lady was saying, she was located in a mall, the, the store manager was located in a mall, she says, well, in the morning there's this rush, whatever, and there's a little lull period, right, before lunch. She says, what we are, uh, are asked to do is we have these catering brochures, and we have to take the catering brochures, and we have to go out and talk to the businesses in the area, and remind them or inform them for the first time that Subway caters sandwiches. You don't have to just come to our restaurant, we can come to you. And I thought to myself, I said, that's interesting. So if you were signing up for a Subway franchise in the mall there, and you said, hey, 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 I like the restaurant. I make sure it's clean. I make sure the food's good. I make sure everything's ready for the people to come. But I just don't want to do the catering part. What do you think will happen? Ma'am, we love you. You got great passion for our restaurant. But unfortunately, catering is an integral part of the business. Can I tell you, my friends? It's great to have a beautiful place where you can serve people, but catering is an integral part of the Jesus franchise. Jesus franchisees come out every Sunday, and then we say to the franchisees, hey, go out, let the neighborhood know what we offer. Get some brochures, get some welcome cards, get some invitation cards, grab a few CDs and hand them out and let people know here's what's possible if you meet Jesus. Here's what you can have when you connect with the gospel. Let's keep reading. Verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Moved with compassion. I'm going to stop there. You know the story. Moved with compassion. Remember, they're still with him. We're just reading right down. Jesus franchisees demonstrate compassion. Jesus could have healed a man with a word. Jesus could have healed a man in so many different ways. He could have asked one of the disciples to touch the man. He didn't have to touch the man. He was a leper. But Jesus said, hey friend, you know I thought about this, guys? I, just, I don't know if you've ever thought this way. A leper in their time had to live outside of town. Nobody could come near him, much less touch him. 
If he ever came to town, he had to announce constantly that he was a leper, so no one would, you know, come near him. You know what I thought to myself? I mean, healing is a big deal. When was the last time somebody touched you? When was the last time somebody gave you a hug, Mr. Leper? When was the last time you felt the touch of another human being on your body? Can you imagine how powerful that moment might have been? Where a man who for years had never felt a human touch felt the touch of a human hand, the hand of Jesus. Yes, the healing was awesome, but man, the touch of a compassionate heart. Can I ask you, friend, how many lepers are you touching? What does that mean? That means people that are down and out, people that... You know, I have a, a great story about this. A friend of mine, actually, he interned for a while with our ministry. He's in Bible college now. He came to faith in Christ, um, uh, actually, a couple of years ago. But he said to us, the way his heart opened was this. He says, you know, he was a down and out young man, you know, on drugs and different things. Uh, but he got this job at this warehouse. And uh, he got this job at this warehouse and he met this guy there. And, you know, they were talking and he's, he, he had come in late a couple of times. So the guy said, well, you know, why are you late? Whatever. He says, well, you know, I have an hour bus ride to get to work. And it's, you know, I live so far away. The guy, the next day, comes up to him and says, hey, um, as long as you work here, Monday to Friday, you can come and stay at my home and sleep on my couch. So he's like, oh, okay. And he starts doing that. And then one day he asks him the question. He says, can I ask you a question? Like, why would you do that? No rent. Like, he's not asking him for anything. No, he's not giving a bedroom. He's just giving him his couch. You can come sleep on my couch, Monday to Friday. He says, why, why, why are you doing that? You know what the guy said? Because that's what Jesus would do. He says that was the day his heart first opened to the gospel. Wow. Jesus franchisees demonstrate compassion. Guys, listen, I'm not telling you to take random people and bring them home to your couch, especially the guys. Talk to your wives first. You know what I'm saying? Jesus franchisees also have great marriages. Thank you, Jesus. So let's not, let's not do anything there. But my point is this. My point is this. I don't know what God may ask you to do, but are you open? Is your heart listening? God, how can I demonstrate compassion to someone that no one else may be caring for. No one else. You know, and one of, the, one, of the, one of the reasons it made such a difference is this young man felt at that time in his life that no one loves me. No one cares for me. Um, let's, let, I want to close with this. Um, chapter 2, verse 1. Again, we're just reading. Uh, the story we just read is up to verse 45, chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 uh, talks about uh, Jesus healing a paralyzed man. But the first thing he does before he offers healing, is he offers salvation. Friends, Jesus franchisees know that you can feed someone, you can clothe someone, you can maybe even find them a job or give them a place to stay. But all of that does not meet the greatest need of the human heart, the need for salvation through Jesus Christ, the need for sins to be forgiven. You know something cool about Jesus franchisees? Every time they get an opportunity, they don't force it down people's throats, don't get me wrong, but when their compassion and their love and God's power that flows through them opens the heart of a person, when there is an open door 
or an open year. And this is what Samuel's story is about. You know, Patricia didn't just say, hey, first day at work, I got to tell you about Jesus. If you got to work here, you better be a believer. No, 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 she, she waited. She built, but there was a day. See, sometimes the problem is we friend, befriend people, we show compassion, but there never comes a day where we say, hey, can I just tell you about what changed my life? Can I tell you about Jesus? Jesus franchisees are committed to verbally, ver- somebody say verbally. You know, there, there's, a, there's a quote that goes around, you know, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That is so, so not right. Paul says, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of verbal communication. Yes, you have to live right. Absolutely, that comes first. But at some point, you have to say, can I tell you about Jesus? Can we stand in the presence of the Lord Church? As the worship team comes up, here's I wanna, how I want to close what I'm sharing with you today. In the very next passage, again, remember, we've not deviated, we've not skipped chapters, we've read every verse since Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, I will show you. In the ne- very next passage, Jesus finds Matthew and says to him, follow me and be my disciple. Matthew invites Jesus to his home to have lunch. Listen to what they say. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Wow, it's a powerful word. Why does he eat with such scum, they said. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous. Notice he doesn't say they are righteous. He says, I didn't come for those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Jesus franchisees are comfortable with common folk. You know, that's what I love about church. You know, as you can see, it's pretty evident. I'm pretty dressed up this, this morning. Home was an hour and a half away, so I couldn't change once I got here. But you know, that's not, a, that's not a problem. You know what's beautiful? It doesn't matter what you dress like. You can wear jeans. You can wear a t-shirt. You can wear a tie. You can wear a jacket. You can wear whatever. Whatever makes you comfortable. Because God doesn't discriminate based on what you look like on the outside. The world may say you're scum. But Jesus says, I'm comfortable with them all. I'm comfortable in the temple. With the Pharisees, with their robes. And I'm comfortable in Matthew's house with tax collectors and sinners. Because why? He sees people as people. And he sees all of us as needing redemption, needing salvation. Can I ask you a question this morning? What franchise model have you purchased? Have you bought into? Where did you sign on the dotted line? Is it the Jesus franchise? Because if it's the Jesus franchise, he says, I will show you, I will show you how to follow me, how to be my disciple, how to interact with the world around you. Eyes closed for a moment right now. Spirit of the living God, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we ask for your presence. We ask, Lord, for your moving in our hearts today. Because, Father, we want to represent Jesus well. 
Father, we want to welcome people, Lord, not to our franchise or our restaurant. Father, we want to welcome people to your home, to your model, to your way of doing things, Lord. Father, we want to be able to interfere with darkness, get involved wherever we see injustice. That we say, hey, can I help you? Can I serve you? Can I offer you something to make a difference in your life? Father, we want to be people that will be channels of your power. That Lord, this treasure that, that resides in earthen vessels will flow through us. And the world will say that cannot be the touch of a human being. Those could not be just the words of my friend or my colleague or my relative. There was power when she spoke. There was power that when he laid his hands on me and prayed for me. We want to be channels of your power. Father, we, we want to be people, Lord, that, that, want, to, that want to see salvation. That want to see people come to faith faith in Jesus Christ Father we want to be people people that move out of our comfort zones Father some of us we've got great restaurants that look so good and we say if people want to come to me they can come to me but Lord help us to be caterers caterers of your love Going out into our community, Lord. Going out into our neighborhoods, Lord. And living it out. So people can taste what we have right where they're at. That they don't have to taste our food only in our church. But they can taste it at work. They can taste it in the neighborhood. They can taste it at family gatherings. They can say, man, wherever you make that food, wherever that comes from, I want to come check it out sometime. Holy Spirit, would you do your work right now? Would you touch our hearts right now? Friends, I believe the power of God is in this room. Even as I've shared my story of healing and how God transformed my life. Friend, I want you to know that God's power is available to you today. That no matter what is happening in your life, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what you could ever ask or imagine. That if you believe this morning, you can and will see the glory of God. There's such a presence in this room right now. Holy Spirit, pray that you will touch the hearts of your people, touch the lives of your people right now. How many of you in this room right now you're saying, Pastor Fanu, I need a miracle this morning in my own life. I need God to touch my life. I need God to heal me. I need God to restore me. I need God to do a miracle for me. You know, friend, I said to the Lord years ago when I was 17 years old, lying in that bed in the Middle East, I said, God, if you heal me, I'll tell the world about you. I'll tell the world what you've done for me. I won't keep it to myself, God. I'll be like a billboard advertising your glory and your power to the world. Maybe God is asking you to do that today. Maybe he's saying, son, I'm going to heal you so my name will be glorified. Daughter, I'm going to move, move in your life because I want people to know 
that I am still able to transform lives. If that's you, you're saying, I want God to touch my life. I need God to do a miracle in my life. Would you simply raise your hand right now all over this room? Come on. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for these hands that are lifted. In the mighty name of Jesus, I come against every power of the enemy. I come against every power of sickness. And in Jesus' name, we command healing upon the lives of your people right now. I command a breakthrough upon the lives of your people right now, Father. Not by my name or my power, but through your name and your power. The same power that healed my body. I pray that same power would flow through the lives and the bodies of your people right now. In the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. Receive it right now. Receive it right now. Friend, if you're lifting your hands, just say, Lord, I receive. I receive my healing. I receive my breakthrough. I receive my miracle. Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus and I receive it right now. If you're here, you're saying, Basifanu, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to make a commitment to Christ or I need to make a recommitment to Christ. I, I don't know you. I don't know if there's even one person in this room the Spirit of God is speaking to right now and is saying, son, daughter, would you come home? Would you come? Would you come so I can love on you? Would you come so I can forgive you? Would you come so I can transform you? Even as we heard the testimony of Samuel, not that you would become right and then come to God, but that you would come to God first so He can transform your life. Friend, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Would you believe on Him this morning? He loves you so much. He loves you so much that He died on the cross for you. Shed His blood for you so all your sins could be washed away. So you can be a new creation in Jesus. So as eyes are closed and heads are bowed all over this room, if there's anyone here this morning that says, Pastor, I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to recommit my life to Christ. Or you're saying, Pastor, I believe in Jesus, but I've never been baptized in water as an adult. I would like to make that commitment this morning because I want to be a franchisee. I want to be part of the family of God. I want to come home to Jesus. I want to be a part of His family, His home. Friend, if that's you, at the count of three, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're standing? One, two, three. Just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Father, we thank you. I thank you for that hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift it up high so I can see. I'm going to bless you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Who else? Thank you at the back that I see that hand. Thank you. Who else? Keep it up. Keep it lifted. Keep it lifted. Holy Spirit, we just love on you. If you're raising your hand, would you just pray with me for a moment right now? Just where you're standing. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood to wash away my sins. Jesus, I come to you. Cleanse me. Wash me. 
transform me. I surrender my life to you. I choose to follow you and obey you for the rest of my life. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I saw the hands right after we release service and release everybody. Would you stay back for a moment and just come up and talk to myself, talk to Pastor Carl, one of us as leaders. If you would just come and, and connect with us, we would love to pray for you individually as well. Father, I pray for your people this morning. Church, would you all raise your hands for a moment so I can bless you? Father, I thank you for franchisees of the kingdom of heaven, of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, it's not a perfect analogy. But Lord, all we're saying to you this morning is this. We want to represent you well. We want to represent you well, Lord. When the world sees us, we want them to see you. When they feel our touch, we want them to feel your touch. Lord, when we pray power and miracles and blessing on their life, we want your power and your miracles and your blessing to come upon their life. And so, Lord, would you use us Use us this week, Lord, to impact the lives of those around us. Use us, Lord, to communicate your gospel. Use us, Lord, to welcome people into God's family. And so we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen. Yes, Lord. I just want to ask uh, those who are here who set up on our uh, ministry team today, if you'd come right now, anybody who's on ministry team today, our elders and our ministry leaders, and just our altars are always open for prayer. And if you did have your hand up, somebody's going to chat with you and follow up with you. So uh, we want you to do that too and have that opportunity to come and share with us. So the altars are open right now. If you need prayer for any issue, anything, we just always want to give you that chance. But we want to thank Pastor Fanu and Samuel. You know, if he did it for them, he'll do it for you. He's a good God, a wonderful God. Just pray and command your richest blessing on you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. And bless you folks. It's a sunny day. I want you to be blessed and enjoy it. So have an awesome time. Bless somebody as you go. In Jesus' name, amen.